Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. So I feel like, Krista, that everyone is literally nonstop talking about ideal clients. <laughs> and yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. And pretty much it's like ideal clients and 4,000 things you can do to book your ideal clients. Right. <laughs> um, and that's great because obviously we all only want to work with people who are fun and are easy to work with, AKA our ideal clients. But here's the thing, you could be booking clients and totally not landing those ideal people that you want to work with. And I know this because I have been there. <laughs> um, for a long time in my own business, I struggled to book the type of work that I wanted to be doing. Um, actually, it was probably longer than I even cared to admit that that went on. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know that if I struggled with this, there are probably a lot of other people who have, or are maybe even currently dealing with it. Um, so I just wanted us to talk a little bit today about maybe why people are not booking those ideal clients so they can make sure that the next person, you know, who books their project or books their services is someone that they're really excited about working with. I'm so excited about this topic. And like you, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like super embarrassed about how long I went on working with non-ideal clients. And literally, as we're recording this, I just this month canceled uh, maintenance packages for non-designers. So I've been like, I've been doing it up until now. And every time I see an email from these people come in, I'm like, oh my gosh, like why? I don't want to do this. And seriously, it's taken this long for me to be like, why am I like, I don't have to do this. So I'm excited to kind of help people get to where we're at least on our way to, if not already there with finding ideal clients and working only with those people. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like it's something where I know, at least for me, I was taking those clients and like I enjoyed the projects, but um, as a designer, you know, there were things that I obviously wanted to be designing instead of the same stuff over and over again, or um, just designs that didn't really speak to me, like mm -hmm. as a person. So, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. So, and I probably still have had clients like in the last year who are like that, but yeah. we won't talk about that. Right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we have four things here that we're going to give you um, and let's just get started. So the first reason um, you're probably not booking your ideal clients is that you don't actually know who they are. Mm -hmm. um, you have to know who these people are so you can um, obviously book their projects. And I feel like this is that thing where everyone is 
talking about this because they're all like, get to know your ideal market, your whatever. And so there's like 500 free PDFs on the internet right now about how to do this. Um, but still, it's kind of hard sometimes, especially when you're just getting started to know who are these people that I want to work with. And I think part of what goes into knowing your ideal client is your niche, like mm -hmm. actually taking the time to niche your business. And we actually talked about that um, in episode 54, um, that like I just said, part of niching your business is creating this ideal market and then sticking within that ideal market when you book projects. Mm -hmm. I think a big struggle with this, especially with newer people is like figuring out who that is. Like I know I worked with um a coach really early on in my business and that was something they told me to do is like well who's your ideal client or what's your niche I'm like I don't know like how do you know that and a lot of times you just kind of have to do trial and error but it is something you want to work towards like strategically and intentionally if you don't have an idea of who that is yet yeah, definitely. And if you are listening to this episode and you're like, I have no clue, you know, like both of us have been there. I don't know what mm -hmm. I want my niche to be. Please go back and listen to that episode because it'll definitely help you kind of get an idea on what you can do to start working towards where you want to be. Um, but obviously you want to work with more than just business owners or female creatives or, you know, this really generic um idea of people online right now. And beyond that, you can't just say, okay, I want to work with women who have creative businesses online. And that's your ideal client. Like that's not deep enough. You have to go further to actually know who your people are. Um, so a couple of questions that I think you can ask to really get you thinking about who those people are specifically are, you know, what aesthetics are they drawn to? Because like I was saying, for me, that was the main thing that made me feel like I wasn't booking my ideal clients. They wanted one type of design work and I didn't resonate with that at all. So you have to think about that because you are doing the design work <laughs> like you want to make sure you're creating stuff that you actually enjoy doing um, aside from that ask yourself okay what matters to them you know their business their life in general just things like that um, what are they struggling with in their business think about especially like how you can help them and what goals they have so do you have any other questions you think people should ask I think I think those are like amazing and like way deeper than I would have gone like just apart from the like general like are they in a specific industry or are they a certain age or something like that. I think those are really, really amazing things to go off of. Yeah, because it really makes you, like I said, think about how you can help them specifically. Yeah. And I like to throw in there that question of what matters to them, because um, that can totally come into your marketing. Yes. You know, if something... Um, if special causes matter to them, like you, for example, I know you donate profits to um, at least one special cause, yeah. then that's something that you can kind of intertwine into your marketing. Hey, I can help you grow your business so you can um, donate more money to whatever. So mm -hmm. things like that. Um, 
Another thing to think about is you might actually be following your ideal client. So it might actually be a specific person. And if that's the case, it, I think it makes it so much easier on yourself because you can think about them when you're writing your copy, you know, putting things for social media, just like different things like that. Um, and if you have someone in mind, you're like, oh, I know that person. I like every single one of their Instagram things. You know, I stalk them everywhere else, which stalk is like a negative connotation, but it's okay. We understand <laughs> you stalk them in a good way. Um, take a second to just ask yourself, why do I want to work with them? Because there's probably something more than just you know, the size of their audience, because I think this might be something people think about. Oh, if I work with them, this could get me in front of so many people. Well, mm -hmm. yes, but beyond that, there's a real reason that you want to work with them. And that's probably going to go back and help you answer some of those questions, too. I love that you are mentioning this about having a specific person and specifically someone you follow, because I feel like so many of like these exercises out here for finding your ideal client are like make up this imaginary person and all this stuff. And that drives me crazy. Like that gets you nowhere. It is so much easier and more fun to like have this person in real life that you can learn from. You can learn from all of their posts. And then when you get to work with them because you've crafted all of your marketing for them, then it's just like the most fun project you've ever worked on. So I definitely think that this is a better approach than trying to make someone up and writing down all these traits about an imaginary person. Yeah, making up Sarah, who is 32, and she has one kid, and she lives in a ranch-style home with her handsome husband, and they shop at Target. Like, well, you've done this. That, all of that is somewhat relevant, but barely. So I definitely think, and I know because I've caught myself in the past thinking, man, I would just love to work with that person. Mm -hmm. And even if you never book that specific person, it's totally okay because you're going to be bringing in people who are similar to them yeah. and you're probably going to enjoy working with them just as much. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So another thing, and I think you should do here just to kind of wrap up this whole knowing your ideal client is to make these notes and then keep them somewhere with your brand files. So maybe in your Google Drive or in whatever folder on your computer, you know, keep it where you can refer back to it every single time you're creating something new for your business. So if it's new content, new services, if you're sitting down to schedule, you know, Instagram posts for the month, you want to refer back to that to make sure that you're always targeting that specific person. So the next reason here, I have a feeling, and I'm guilty of this one, <laughs> um, that you're not booking your ideal clients is that you're probably marketing yourself to other designers. Mm -hmm. So I want everyone listening right now to take a second to consider like the last four or five pieces of content that you've put online. So I'm talking like blog posts, newsletters, social media, whatever you do, think about those last five things. And I want you to think about who you created them for. Because I know for me now, I am intentionally creating content for designers. But before I decided, hey, I'm going to do this, I did this by accident all <laughs> the time. <laughs> like if you go back in my archives on my blog, I have a lot of content for designers that's like three or four years old. It's like, what the heck were you doing? I think a really good example of this, and Krista, I'm I'm 
betting, since you really look at the designer market, you've probably seen this happen, is posting to Instagram and then only using design-related hashtags. So your clients may be looking at those hashtags, you know, if they're thinking about hiring a designer, but I highly doubt it. Like you need to be using hashtags um, that are related to their niche, not our niche. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I've actually been doing a whole bunch of hashtag research lately, just trying to up my Instagram game. So I've been looking at hashtags from a bunch of designers and half of them like, I'm like, girl, what are you doing? Like, you don't want all these other designers to be finding you. I, I don't say that. I could send them messages, but they'd probably think I was crazy. <laughs> but you're totally right. I would bet 50% of designer accounts are doing that. Yeah, I have noticed that too. Um, there, it was like a month or two ago, I made a note um, to go and look at these two specific accounts to get some ideas for different hashtags I could use. And probably like last week, I went and looked at one of them and I was like, all of your hashtags are just things that other designers would be looking at. Like, yeah. I get that that's somewhat helpful, but in terms of booking clients, it's not getting you anywhere because you're not getting your you know, work and your marketing messages in front of the right people. So we're naturally interested in what, you know, our competition is doing. Even if we don't look at them as competition and, oh my gosh, like um, I have to be better than them, whatever. I know for me, I'm just naturally curious how other designers do things because I'm kind of a curious, nosy person, <laughs> honestly. But the bulk of our content has to be for our ideal clients. So if that doesn't make sense, maybe you're like, I never do that. I'm better than that. What are you thinking? Um, here are a couple examples. So um, do VAs create content telling other VAs how to run their business? Can you think of a VA out there that's doing that? I, actually, I can think of one and she teaches VAs right. or teaches people how to be one. Exactly. Um, but like your VA is not teaching other right. virtual assistants how to do that. That would be counterproductive. Um, exactly. <laughs> and I know you would never create nope. content for other developers. Nope. They asked me to and I'm like, nope, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went to school. I have a lot of student loans to pay off, so I'm not going to help you. Right. <laughs> So I, I know I'm referring very heavily to Instagram, but I'm not just talking about social media here. You really have to think about blog posts and newsletters. If you're doing any live content like Facebook Live, you really want to think about that as well. So refer back to those questions we asked about your ideal client and make sure that you're creating content for them. So a really great example of this is if your ideal client is maybe struggling to establish their photography business, let's use that as an example, then maybe you create a piece of content for whatever platform that talks to them about how working with you will create a really solid founda foundation, excuse me, for their business so they can help, you know, get established and start booking more clients. So um, another thing to think about here, going back to that Instagram example is, you know, pay attention to the kind of hashtags that other people in that industry is using. So, um, I did that over the weekend and I noticed that some people um, in my target market, I really, I, 
I have this thing where I really want to work with more photographers, but it's not happening. But a lot of photographers do the same thing designers do, and they only use photographer related hashtags for whatever reason. But there are some other out there um, like the native creative or called to be creative, et cetera, et cetera. You can go stalk my Instagram account to find some of what I'm using. Um, that will help you get in front of, you know, the right people. So the third reason um, that you may not be booking your ideal clients is that you're not designing for those clients. And I think this can be kind of confusing, um, but also somewhat obvious. Um, but I know this is the exact trap that I fell into when I had um, a lot of these non-ideal projects several years ago. Um, I wanted clients who wanted a more sophisticated and not so trendy design, um, people who didn't want gold and um, script fonts, no offense, because Krista, I know you had script fonts in your branding, but that I was getting that every single project and it was like, eh, I'm not that into it. Yeah. But I kept getting the same clients because the work I was creating kept attracting those people. So I was stuck in this really vicious cycle. Um, and it, I'll be honest, it's very hard to get out of because you're like, I, I can't, you know, it's the chicken before the egg thing. Like, come on. So one thing that I highly recommend doing, um, if you are feeling like this, you know, I want to be designing something else, but I can't book anything else because of what I'm designing. Definitely start to network with the people that you want to be working with. So if you're only working with people who really like pink and gold and all this crazy kind of stuff like what I was doing, then start interacting with people who don't like that. Um, interact in Facebook groups, even though I know they're not that big of a deal anymore like they used to be, but you can still go out and at least get your name out there in those kind of industries. Um, because it's really important, those people are not just going to magically find you. And if you are just consistently designing the same thing and putting all that work in your portfolio, they're not going to magically know that you desire to be creating something that works for them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think you were able to shift just by getting clear, like clearer on it yourself and like making an intentional choice that you were going to try harder. Like, I know you switched your copy a little bit on your homepage. You stopped writing certain kinds of blog t content and kind of incorporating more lifestyle type stuff. So you'd kind of um, attract people who are into more of the personal type thing. And like nothing you did was like crazy complicated and time intensive. It just like took for you to like realize that make a couple of tweaks. And I feel like you kind of started getting the kind of work you wanted pretty quickly after that. Yeah, absolutely. I would say I started making some of those changes and I had one client who I had worked with in the past who was kind of, you know, along the lines, she wanted design work that was not in that same kind of trendy stuff. And once I worked with her and kind of started making those changes, everything just sort of fell in line. And 
the other thing I did, like I was mentioning, is I just started getting my name out there within, you know, more of the business community, because I know I've talked in the past, I also used to work with bloggers. And I still occasionally will work with bloggers, but they're more people who are like, yeah, I know I need to invest this much money into my blog because I'm making that much money or more. It's not just like hobby bloggers. It's professional bloggers who do this for pretty much their day job. So um, if you feel like you're um, just stuck in one niche, like I said, make sure you're getting your name out there. You know, whatever you can do to network, meet other people. That way um, they know you're a designer and they can find you because like I said, you don't just magically show up. I wish it was true, but it, it's not. Yeah, me too. Um, the other thing that I want to say here is that you just have to create that work that's going to attract those people. And uh, this is something that I never did, but I can almost guarantee you that if I would have gotten out of my own way and said, okay, I'm just going to make up one fake project to put in my portfolio, it would have helped me get out of that situation so much faster than I actually did. Um, because like attracts like. So everything that I'm saying here, I'm going to say it again, the design work you're creating right now is attracting more people who want the same exact style of design work. So if you are struggling to book people that want a different aesthetic, who don't want really dark and heavy colors, or maybe they don't want light and airy colors, you know, like what I like to work with, that's okay. Um, but I want to encourage you to create one or two, no more than that, personal projects where you make up a, a fictitious company or um, product or whatever it is and you design for them and then you put that in your portfolio because that's really going to help you start attracting people who want that style of design work. Yep. And I was able to see this uh, hold true when I like figured out who my ideal audience was for development. When I decided that I wanted to just work with designers, like if I hadn't already worked with a couple designers, it would have been really hard to convince other ones that I was you know, good enough to bring their designs to life. But luckily I had had, I want to say two or maybe even three uh, custom projects for designers since then. So when I decided I was shifting, I cleared out my portfolio and just included those two or three pro projects. And I didn't have a huge portfolio to show off, but those were really good projects and they were really targeted towards my new audience. So they worked just fine. So I think this is really good advice, especially if you don't have, you know, any existing design work that's going to attract these people. I mean, yeah, it's a little work up front, but it's definitely going to be a payoff. It's going to eliminate them like looking at your work and being like, I'm not sure if she can, you know, she says this is what she can do and wants to do, but I don't see any proof of that. That's going to give them the proof, even if it's, you know, you're not going to see, no one's going to be using these brands you're creating, but it's still just, it can be worth it for sure. Totally. And I know we've talked about um, portfolios in a past episode, and I'll be sure to link to whatever that episode was in the show notes. Um, but we I know that we discussed, you know, quality over quantity in your portfolio. So you don't have to have 15 projects in your portfolio to book clients. Sometimes you just need, um, you know, three to five or maybe even six at most really strong um, concepts to show in your portfolio to start booking people. If they're strong and you elaborate well enough on them, then I promise people are going to book your services. Yep. Okay. So moving on enough ranting about aesthetics. Okay. 
Now we have to rant about services because this um, is something that really, <laughs> this is something that kind of really bugs me. Me too. Um, your services are probably confusing or overwhelming if you're not booking your ideal clients. And I would say this is last in our episode because I think this is probably not what's causing everyone to not book their ideal clients, but I think it's probably a pretty big reason for a lot of people. What do you think? I, I feel like we could go on and on about this because the people that are making this mistake are really making this mistake. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm like hardcore nodding my head from the ceiling to the floor right now. because There's no like gray area here. It's black or white. Yeah. And I think this is very much related to the type of design work that you're creating. Um, number one, you do not have to offer everything under the sun to get your ideal clients. And I know, Krista, we talked about this in the last episode, which is 65. Um, but you know, you want to simplify your services. Please don't offer everything in the kitchen sink on your website because people are going to get overwhelmed by that and they're just going to click the X and they're going to go to the next person. Um, another thing to think about is you want to make it super clear and easy to understand what it is you're offering. And I talked about this um, in episode 47, but you just want it to be very clear and I'm going to rant in a second about this, um, but you want to be clear about what people are getting. If you're offering branding, please just say branding. So it's really important um, to offer what your ideal clients need. So this goes back to um, the questions that we asked about your ideal client. You know, what are they struggling with? Why do they need you? And you can create two to three services that will help them with those things. So a perfect example of this is if your ideal clients are established brands who need some kind of design assistant to create, you know, quick graphics for Instagram or their blog or their podcast, whatever it is, then if you're offering branding, that's not going to land those clients. You have to make sure that you're offering, you know, design assistant services to reach those people because if they just see you offer branding and website design and they need this other thing they're going to say oh she doesn't offer it so i'll go find someone else they're not going to inquire with you and waste a bunch of time trying to figure it out um now let me get a little ranty here and krista you can totally laugh at me because i'm kind of going to get on a high horse here on my website i offer brand development and brand development and website design do you see how clear that is? Okay, please be clear on what people are getting because this is one that I see. I don't think as many people do now as they used to, but this whole like get the VIP, all-inclusive, unique, custom, super design experience. Here's how much it is. And I'm like, excuse me, what am I paying for? I'm never ever going to understand what's included. And when I look at that, this is a little bit of tough love. When I look at things like that, I don't see someone with as much experience or um, someone who really respects what they do as much. I get you want to say it's a VIP package or all inclusive or whatever. And there are ways you can say that without saying it's the red carpet mm -hmm. design package. 
Yeah. Like the ones that really get me are like gold, platinum, silver packages or whatever. I'm like, just, just don't. I, th- I, I feel like there's a, there's a place for like, not, not like that super outright naming, but it has to be like, it has to be right on. You have to be really clear about what outcome they're getting and they have to be able to at least get an idea of what they're getting from the package name. So like when you're, yeah, like you said, like the red carpet experience, what even is that? So exactly. You just have to be really careful with naming your packages if you're not going to come right out and say it. Yeah, because just think about it. If your ideal client is a busy person who's doing the majority of their work from their phone, they're taking a lot of meetings. Okay, they looked at your website and they saw this crazy random name. They didn't take five extra seconds to read the rest of your website. They said, I don't know what this is. Okay, I'll just work with someone else like that. That's what's happening. And I know this is tough love because I know it's fun to come up with these cutesy names, but it can be leading your ideal clients away from you. Um, And I'll also say here that whole gold, platinum, uh, silver, whatever kind of stuff. If you're like Talking to people like me, I don't even know the order of those. So. As we just showed. <laughs> yes. Silver should be first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bronze. I yeah. don't. I don't know what order any of that it's crap like goes in. the Olympics, in. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but what order in the Olympics do they go? Let, bronze is third, right? Yeah. Bronze. <laughs> So that's a prime example too. Like if you're using that to show how great your most expensive package is, that's totally going to be lost on some people who just have no clue um, or don't have the like extra five seconds to, you know, make their brain compute that way. (laughs) As we we say this as new mothers. (laughs) Yeah. Who don't have time or energy to make our brains compute that way. (laughs) So to recap this episode, sometimes booking your ideal clients can seem so impossible. Gosh, I'm saying that and I've been there and I can relate. And if you are there, it's totally okay. But I want you to know that you might be in your own way without even realizing it. So if you want to book a specific type of client or type of design work, um, you have to be really intentional about attracting it. So my action steps for you in this episode are to, number one, define your ideal client. If you have a questionnaire that you make your own clients go through, I dare you to go through it yourself or at least go back and answer some of those questions that we talked about at the beginning of this episode. And then the next thing you want to do is review your content, you know, your copy on your website, some of the things you're posting on social media, your portfolio, your services page to make sure that those things are working for you to actually attract those people. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design. Oh,